Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is August 28, 2015, and you're here with the Bright Side with Technician. I hope everyone is having a blissful week so far. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it is Friday. Yes, and our condolences go out to the two journalists who lost their life on Wednesday in Virginia. Such a tragic incident, especially since I'm in communications myself. You know, that's just so tormenting to just actually hear, but I know that I cannot even imagine for the ones who actually saw it live right then and there. There's no words probably could be expressed for that at the moment, but um, it just comes to the point where we have to take and spend every little precious moment of our life wisely, live it to the fullest, because we don't know when and what time of day our life will end. We all know our birth date, but we definitely don't know our death date. And just spend that time with the loved ones. Don't spend time being mad. Enjoy it because it's not promised to you at all. But anyhow, we're going to move on to something beautiful and romantic that most of us probably need in our lives. And I have an awesome book and an awesome woman here who wrote this lovely book. It's called Amelie and Ali. And many of you probably need this in your life and and probably need to reinvent that chemistry that you probably have lost after being married for so long and don't know how to rekindle that fire. But here with me is Emily Camille. She's a bilingual romance author, and she has been a lawyer by day, and she's a writer by night, and she's been inspired by her living experiences in France. Emily began Amelie and Ali in 2010, and what began as just an idea in 2010 evolved into a romantically love story. Amelie and, Lai, Amelie and Ali is a modern love story that would take you through the beauty of Paris and New York and on a journey of love. And right now she lives in Washington, D.C., but she's here with us on the bright side with Technicia. So do call in at 347-426-3751 with any questions. And also the chat box will be open for you. Emily, thank you for being on today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's a blessing. I love to have new authors on, and especially when it deals with love. And my show deals with so many variety of topics. So thank you for taking the time out with us. Thank you. Okay, so let's first of all, you. so are you still working as a lawyer? Yes, I'm still practicing okay. law um, every day. Yep, I um, started writing the novel Amelie and Ali back in 2010 and recently published it. I self-published it in May of this year. So basically just taking whatever time I could on the weekends, mornings, and afternoons to, you know, create this love story. Right. But what actually got you into the idea of wanting to go from 
doing law to writing? Well, I've always been a really creative person. Um, when I was younger, I wanted to be an actress. Um, but, you know, you have parents and you have people telling you you need to get a real job and you need to have a nine-to-five. So that was something that I always had an aspiration to do. I loved writing. Um, I used to write comics and short stories. And I just got to that point where I decided that I was finally going to go for it. And as self-publishing has become so much more prevalent and it's much easier to get your stories out there, I figured, you know, why not write it myself? publish it myself, and get it out there that way. Okay, well, it is a nice book. Um, Thank you. Let me ask this, though. You're so welcome. Let me ask this. Is this book based on you personally? (laughs) Well, a lot of people ask that because of the similarities. Um, Right. So Amelie is, I mean, her name is similar. She's a lawyer like I am. Um, Mm -hmm. I should also. I should also mention that I'm sort of a self-proclaimed Francophile, so I've lived in France a couple of times and speak French. Um, But Amelie is not based on me personally. Um, She's just like any of the other characters in that they evolve from experiences that I've had, the people that I've seen. So she's not 100% me, but, you know, everybody in the book is really based on some character or some person that I've encountered in my life. Okay. And Amelie and Ali, they're a beautiful couple, but it took him a while to come around to, I guess, saying, I love you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, I think what was interesting to me was to develop two very um, authentic characters because a lot of times when I read romance novels, I feel like I'm either reading something that's very harlequin or something that's sci fi or just something that's not, you know, an authentic story of what we go through on a day-to-day relation or day-to-day while being in a relationship because there are complexities, there's baggage you bring to a relationship, um, your job can affect your relationship, and you see that happen in Amelie and Ellie. And then the city that you live in can have a big impact on your relationship too. So Amelie comes into the story, and she definitely has her guard up. Ali comes into the story, and I think he's a little less reserved than Amelie, but he doesn't quite know how to interact with her because we find out about his past and the obstacles that he's had. So, you know, they take a little while to figure out how they're really going to approach one another. But I thought, you know, this is realistic. This is how people work out. It takes time before you can get to that good place where you decide, okay, we're going to be together and we're going to say I love you. Right, and most of the times now, in day, in this day and times, people are not doing that anymore. There is, there is no more. Let me wait, and let's build a relationship. Everybody want to get to the quick rush me. It's like wow. Even the no offense, but even some of the songs that you hear out nowadays, it's like okay, you rush, you rushing with the sex and the love. Our parents listen right. to the music where it took out the time. Where let me get to know you. Let me bring the flowers up to your car door. So yeah, I generation, and that's—I mean—that's the fun part about a relationship, right? Getting to know the person, you know, Mm -hmm. courting, going to movies, and you know, going out to dinner, and just a one-on-one thing where you're actually talking to a person, and there's some genuineness there. Because 
I feel like a lot of times now people play a lot of games and what I like and what I want to portray with Amelie and Ali is, yes, people have uh, reservations about getting involved in relationships, but I didn't really want a lot of game playing between them, whereas there were other people involved. I just wanted to explore two people who were drawn to each other and they didn't know how to approach it, but they were still somewhat mature about it you know, and more traditional about how they started the relationship. Right. I I don't know why people feel that that's the normal thing to do, to play games and relationships. I need to be this way or that way. I like to be real. I want you to see who I am up front. Um, Emily, you know, I laughed a little bit in your book um, in the beginning of it because it was funny. I was thinking about an incident I had at work, and they always told me most Frenchmen are very rude, and um, this brings me back to an incident of last year. I had a house fire, and it was four days before Christmas. And, of course, you know, I've never been through anything like that before. That was my first house fire, and my twin girls, my husband had saw it going down, but I was at work. And um, so one day, to make a long story short, I was at I was at work one day, and one of the guys, um, it was two guys and a lady. And the lady, we was make, she was making a joke about, she said, well, they're, they're not trying to be rude. They're, it's just something that happened in Paris. They had a terroristic attack that happened. And we are, he was arguing with me about the food. And then all of a sudden, to get to the point, he snapped on me, Emily, and I went through me. Something went through me just at that instance. I said, you know what? I lost my house. My house burned down. You gonna buy me another one? And I couldn't even retract, girl, on what I had said. It came out so fast. And then the other guy came back. The other his other friend came around to me. He said, "You was very rude to my friend." I said, "Rude to your friend? Did you not hear how he talked to me at all?" I do not care. I said, "Oh my God, you don't care? I don't care either." And that's what I had thought about in your book. Um, in the beginning when she was at the bank and she was trying to tell him that the machine took her card and he was like, well, I don't care. And I said, oh, my God, are they like that in real life? Like, is that rude? My experience in France was not overwhelmingly dealing with rude people at all. In fact, the people were quite nice. However, okay. um, I think, you know, sort of like the experience you had is just like being here. You have that off chance where you might have somebody on a bad day or what have you. Um, So that scene where, you know, she goes to the bank, her card gets stuck in the machine, and the bank teller essentially just looks at her and shoots her away, that definitely happened to me once when I was living in France. Because I think in the beginning, too, you're expecting things to be pretty much the same, and the problem is that they're not, you know, and I'm just speaking from my experience. I know people have different experiences. But when I lived in France, you know, some of the things that I think of as very efficient and convenient in the, in the States were not the same. So, you know, for me, it was kind of, it was a learning curve because I was expecting certain results. I was kind of demanding right. that, I guess, of people. And they were like, no, do it that way. So you're just going to have to wait. And that's what happened that particular day. So I don't want to paint the picture that they were rude. I think it's just, you know, sometimes the cultural differences will put you in a bad space. Right, it will. And I, that's what I had figured, too. I said he was already, both of them were in their state of mind. I'm in my state of mind. We're two fires exploding right now. So 
what else can they have a right to? And these were both Frenchmen that were talking to you? Mm-hmm. They were both Frenchmen, and Juan was actually upset because I guess, well, he already had came to our hotel because I worked for the Marriott, and he wanted his order a certain way, and I had forgot that um, I forgot that we were out of a certain item with this meal, and I, I had to explain it to him because one thing about me, I don't mind making up for my mistakes if I make one because I'm human too, and I told him I can exchange it. So the woman next to him said, no, she was laughing about it, but I wasn't because he wasn't taking it as a joke. She was like, no, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And I kept looking at him like, I don't know. You're playing, but he's not. So I left it alone. I came back, checked on him. He was like, well, um, everything was good except the fact of my food. And I'm like, but I tried to make the mistake right. You wouldn't let me. So what else do you want me to do? And it went on from there, and I exploded. And I was like, oh, my God. And it just went left there. Thank God I didn't lose my job because they knew I was going through something. <laughs> Everything was piled up at one time. And I was, I never seen the guy again. But in my heart, I truly wanted to apologize to him. I did because I didn't, that was not me. That was yeah. not the real me. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God, if I, if I could just, just retract all that over again. But I was like, okay, if he ever come back in. Maybe I get a chance to apologize. If not, then God bless him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean life moves on, right? Right, it does. But you are so right about cultural differences. We all have our differences, and maybe that was his way of expressing and saying I don't care, and I and I wanted him to care, like you said when you went through your experience. I wanted someone to care. I went through a house fire, and I wanted that compassion, and I didn't get it from him, so it made me upset. Mhm. So, yeah, I think that's. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. Um, I think that's one of the things too that I thought about as I was writing the novel because when you're mm-hmm. having that experience where you live alone in another country, um, trying to be in a relationship is even more of a difficult situation because a lot of times you end up relying on that person so much more or expecting so much of that person because you're just more focused on them. You know, when you're at home, you've got family, you have a lot of friends, you're familiar with everything. And I think with Ollie being new, she'd been to Paris, but, you know, she didn't have that same base there. It really made everything that happened with Ollie incredibly heightened and much more dramatic than it may have been had she been at home. Because she was always looking to him, well, what is he doing, you know? Right. Let me... um. Well, are all the women, are the women totally good? Are all of them mostly in relationships? Um, I would say that, in my experience, a lot more people were in relationships than here, and people were much more quick to fall in love and be in relationships. Um, I mean, full, you know, monogamous relationships than people are inclined to do here in the states. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, here they said we have so many single women. Here, I, I don't think we choose, most of us women don't choose to be single because I'm married, been married for 10 years. It's just that some women are very picky, and I have friends who are, who are definitely picky. They want to turn this and that. I'm like, oh, you sound like you want a magazine article because <laughs> that might not happen. You yeah. might get one thing, you might not get the other, so, you know, 
when it comes to relationships for most of us here, it's like, wow. I, I would love to live in Paris, though. How How is the experience, Emily? Is it beautiful, as they say? Yeah, and I have to clarify, I actually lived in Strasbourg, France, which is east of Paris, and then I lived in Toulouse, France, which is south of Paris. But I've obviously visited Paris a lot of times, and that was really my inspiration. You know, people in France fall in love very quickly. The sights are beautiful. You know, the city is just, it inspires you to feel romantic and to be romantic. And so when I walk through France and I see different people interacting, I remember for a long time it would be, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes would go by before I would actually see people that weren't holding hands because I felt like I saw so many couples. But the sights and everything around you definitely, I feel like, inspires romance in just this incredible way. It sounds so romantic. I would would love to just go there. You know, they all, they say that beautiful city personifies a new generation of hostile. It gives you that hearty welcome. Yeah, Paris is one of those places that's really walkable and everything is really accessible. So I feel like it gives you just this really warm feeling as you're going through the city because everything is so interconnected. You know, it's not like a lot of places in the States where people drive a lot and that sort of thing. It is really you're walking one cobblestone street to another and, you are you know, you have this cafe and you have that cafe and you have these beautiful museums and architecture. I just think it's one of the most beautiful places that I've ever seen. And I definitely think in terms of relationships, you know, I didn't have any luck when I was living there, but, you know, a lot of my friends and that kind of thing would meet people pretty quickly because people were really open to that. Right. I mean, and it sound, it it does. It sounds romantic because, you know, if you walk over here in the States, you might get bopped in your head, so <laughs> <laughs> it's no walking over here romantic. You going outside, oh, I'm just going to take a stroll and get beat up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, it's a little different yeah. over here in the state, definitely. Right. I would yeah, definitely you, should, you should definitely visit. I, definitely, I think you would. Yes, you know, it's just kind of like a, it's almost, you can just reignite all these great feelings and that kind of thing because the culture is, it's more laid back. And I think people value love and family and not necessarily that they value it more, but, um, it just felt like work wasn't always the end-all, be-all, as that sometimes feels here. Right. And, and and just going back to the fact, what you said about the cars and stuff, that sometimes when you drive, it takes away the beauty. But when you actually walk, you can actually get mm-hmm. that beauty. It, it, it sinks in. It, it becomes accommodating. You, you get welcome to that path, just walking, seeing everything up close. Yeah, you just catch so much more. I mean, everything is so much slower, and you can appreciate all of the small things, like certain writing on the side of a building or mm-hmm. the shape of those. You know, one of the things I did when I so I finished my book in 2013, and I was trying to shop it around to pick up an agent and mm-hmm. to go the traditional publishing route, but I decided that I was going to self-publish um, around 2014. So when I had the opportunity to go back to Paris last summer with my fiancé and my parents, 
one of the things I really wanted to do was just walk the streets and pay attention to the smallest details. Right. Because those are the things that make the city, even the smell of the bread and the markets and the type of produce they have, that's what really creates the city. And I felt like I really wanted Amelie and Ali to engage with Paris in a way that wasn't just superficial. It was they knew Paris as well as they knew each other. You know, it was almost like a, a relationship with the city as much as they had a relationship with each other. Right, and see, that's I have heard of Pat, let that nature in, and there's about every probably possibly down every street is a tree. You're gonna see trees and parks <laughs> everywhere. Yep, and you'll read about. I'm sure you've um, read about some of that in Amelie because I talk about the mm-hmm. chestnut that line the Champs Elysees that are abutting that. Um, you know, and some of the flowers and those kind of things that people are really that are really prevalent in different areas. I just think those things are the things that really make a city. You know, that's when you're talking about fundamentally what a city is like, it's all about what the natives do and what people value. So nature is a huge part of it and the way that it looks. Right. But your what's your take on it? Because the fact that not only does Paris promise so much to those who learned of it, such as yourself, Emily, but it's so overwhelming and delivers that we lovers of it are, you know, forever hunted by a soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the thing about Paris, like any other city, is it's not a perfect place. You know, it's not just going to the Champs-Élysées and the Arc de Triomphe and the Jardin du Luxembourg, like, it's not just seeing those beautiful parts of the city. Paris is a gritty place that has a lot of different types of people. They have political issues just like any other city. And that was something else I really wanted to capture in Amelie and Ali because when I was living in France in 2006, um, the riots were happening because there was a lot going on politically there were car burnings, and there were some really real things happening. So you get there, and you have this sort of rose-colored vision of how things are and what the city is like. And then after you've lived there for a while, you experience it almost as a native in the sense that, you know, there's real everyday issues that are coming up all of the time, and you're in the mix of it. Right. But for the ones who haven't experienced it, this is a lifetime experience that I think everyone needs to take. It's all the more reasons to be there just listening to you, Emily, talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, and they should definitely go. They should pick up Emily and Ali because there's a lot. Some of my favorite places in the city I named in the book, and it's almost like a, a map. You know, it's I have restaurants and cafes and different L&D small and places that are just really incredible and different, you know, because I think when you go somewhere overseas or anywhere, you want to experience something that's different from what you'd get every day at home. And so I tried to highlight some of those places in the book. And I love the way that you also put the French language in here, too, and then you'll put the English that you hey. Only if I can really pronounce it, um, let me see, I think I got in trop trop fort, which means too cold. I think I probably messed that up already. <laughs> too cold is trop froid. 
See, Mm-mm. see, I messed that. <laughs> yep, I did it. Yep, messed that up. They'll probably look at me it's funny like, what did you? <laughs> you just gotta say it. Be all went up to him and be like, what? What did she just? What did she just say? I don't know what she said. Lady, just speaking, just speaking. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people in Paris speak English, so you don't really have a problem there. But sometimes, just like in English, certain phrases, um, they don't have the same ring to it if you don't use it in its original language. So I just felt like incorporating and infusing the French into it gave it a little bit more authenticity. And sometimes when Ali and Ali talk to each other, I felt like, because Ali's um, first language is French, I felt like it was nice to hear him say something that was important to him in French rather than English, which is his second language. Right, and mostly throughout the book, I know it referenced a lot to, oh, you're moving to Paris? Oh, you're going to Paris? When? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Paris is a huge part of the book. Um, New York is. is also a part of the book as well. So mm-hmm. it's one of the, the interesting things is the juxtaposition between how they interact with each other when they're in Paris and how they interact when they're in New York. So again, I was all about how do they, how does the city impact their relationship? And I think right. you see a total difference, you know, between Paris and New York. You do, and you will find those lot of differences. I'm not going to give it to you because you're going to have to actually read the book and for yourself. Um, Emily, is it really easy to self-publish for yourself, though, or do you need someone to back you up? Um, I don't know if I would say it's easy, but it's definitely doable. I did everything mm-hmm. myself. I think it's just, one, you need to have a plan, and two, you need to have patience because there's so many options now in terms of what platform you want to use to publish your book, uh, whether you want to just have an e-book and a paperback book or one or the other. Um, you know, after you publish your book, what type of marketing support do you want? So for me, it wasn't incredibly difficult, but it's definitely time-consuming because before you even make that first step of deciding, I'm going to go with this particular platform to publish my book, you need to figure out what your plan is after the book is published as well because that platform may or may not offer what you want. Ultimately, I ended up going with Amazon, and I thought that they, um, you know, were pretty customer-friendly, and they provide a good deal of help when it comes to actually configuring your book. But it's just incredible Mm -hmm. to see your book go from this Word document to this beautiful book that has a cover that's beautifully formatted and the print quality is incredible. That's just a really great feeling when you finally get that copy. Right. That's the that's the easy part. Once you get accomplished, then it's over. But it takes well that's with anything, Emily. It takes work when you want it done. People think, Oh, I'm gonna publish this book and Bam, bam, thank you, ma'am, and it's not going to work like that. You have to put your time and effort into it if you want something creative. But I commend you. You actually did it. Thank you, yeah, and I had some help. Um, You know, I should acknowledge, so James Meekins, um, he did cover art for the book, and the cover is a huge part of it because it just embodies what the book is about, the beauty of Paris and this relationship. 
So I had help, and then I had friends and family who were really gracious and willing to peer edit the book for me, to read different sections of it, to give feedback. And all of that was incredibly helpful because, you know, after you've read something hundreds of times, sometimes it can be hard to step outside of it and look at it from someone else's perspective and see anything wrong with it. Um, So I had a lot of help along the way, even though, you know, I ended up publishing it myself. I had quite a bit of family and friends that were right there with me along the way. So when you mostly go self-publishing, you get to control the price and the content and keep that larger percentage of royalties. Well, that's the nice part. That was what drew me to self-publishing was how much control you have. Because, um, you know, just to kind of go piece by piece of what you said, the content is one thing that was huge to me. I wanted the book to be exactly how I envisioned. And, of course, if you have an agent and you end up going to a traditional publishing house, they might have you change things around so that it can fit more of whatever the collection is that they have in their house. And that was something I really didn't want. So I had complete control over the content. You know, the platform, they don't touch what you've written at all. If anything, they just help you with formatting to make sure that the book looks good when it's published. Um, mm-hmm. And you, Yeah, and you can control your own price. Like you said, I set my own price on Amazon for the ebook and the paperback version, and that was great. Different platforms have different royalty schemes, so that kind of goes back to having patience and making a plan because when it comes to the platforms, people who are interested in self-publishing, you really have to read the fine print of what each platform entails. Some offer 80% royalties, some offer 50. You know, you just have to do research and pay attention to that kind of thing. Oh, yes. Let's repeat that again. If people missed it, do your (laughs) research because that is the bottom line. (laughs) <laughs> do it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you'll see things that, um, you know, you'll go to a particular platform's blog and they'll explain something one way, and then you'll look at the fine print and say, oh, that's actually not entirely how it works, you know. So I looked at a lot of different sources when I was thinking about platforms. I didn't just look at, for example, what Amazon says the royalty scheme is. I looked at blogs and I looked on self-publishing articles where people talk about their experiences and they describe it from their perspective as well, just because sometimes things aren't always as they seem. So that was important for me. Oh, exactly. I mean, but you you have to figure out what's best for you. And, and as you say, Emily, always do your research. And, and, of course, if this is something that you want, it's going to be hard work. And marketing is always going to be hard no matter what, and don't ever think it won't be when you're trying to get out there and get your name in the sky. Cause, and I'd rather, to me, to be honest, I'd rather go your way, Emily, if I was doing doing this, self-publishing. I want to have my own name on there. I wrote this. I don't want to have no publisher name on my <laughs> right. own material. So, yeah. So that's yeah, all I kudos. That part yes, is really, really nice. So far, self-publishing has been great. As you said, though, marketing is challenging, so I've been working my way through figuring that out. Obviously, I'm a lawyer. I'm not in marketing. That's not my wheelhouse. But, you know, if you're passionate about something and you love something, and I love, love, love this book, um, you know, you just kind of put yourself out there and hope that people will, will hear you. Right, and I think they will hear you, and I hope so. 
because I will be posting it up for them to do that. Um, if someone wants to self-publish, what other advice would you have for them? Um, I think a couple of the most important things are um, just do as much research as you can. Cast a wide net because when you're looking for a platform or you're looking for where you're going to put the book, you need to start with a really wide lens. You know, Amazon is very reputable. It's very well known, but it might not cater to the types of things that people want because it's huge. So, for example, someone might want a self-publishing company where they're going to have a lot more hands-on and personal contact with customer service representatives as they have issues arise. So I would just say cast a really wide net in terms of possibilities. Um, And the other thing I would say to do is, as I mentioned again, is just to always read the fine print because you really want to be well-educated in terms of what everything means and mm-hmm. there's a lot of advice out there, you know, so some of it's not entirely right and some of it's not really applicable to everybody. So you've just got to do a lot of research and kind of figure it out. Um, but one other thing I would say about self-publishing that's really great is that there are so mm-hmm. many blogs now. And, yep. for example, there's so many resources on places like LinkedIn where you can join these groups about self-publishing, right. and that information is incredibly helpful. Right, it's just too much out there for you not to obtain. Yes, and I would, you know what? I would be very scared of dealing with you, Emily, because you're a lawyer. I would, I'd be like, you know what? Don't play her. Do not ever cross her. She's a lawyer. She's gonna take you to court. <laughs> well, some of, you know, some of my legal training helped out through this process. Right. Um, when I was trying to figure out like copyright and that kind of thing, it helped that I knew a little bit. Uh, I mean, it helps to have the legal background, right, because you know how to read statutes, you know how to read regs and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I never encountered any big issues as I was self-publishing. If anything, just the formatting was much more technical and complicated than I expected. But, you know, it got done, and I'm thankful for that. To show you that you don't always have to stick to what you went through for, you can always go out. It's so much out here to do. If you can, if you want to, do it all, as they always told me. Do everything possibly to the last moment, cause what, because what I said in the beginning is so true. Tomorrow is not promised to you, so take advantage of whatever opportunity swings your way. Um, Emily, what are some other interests that you will be taking up after this? Are you going to plan on doing some more writing? Or are there any more books in progress? Yeah, so I'm actually working on a second novel. Um, it's a similar format to Ali in that it's about a boy and a girl, and they live in a particular city and move to another city, um, and their city, you know, has a big impact on their relationship. So it's totally different characters. These people are not like Amelie and Ali, but, yeah, I'm working on my second book, and whenever I get it done, I'll self-publish it as well. But I love writing. I think what you said about doing what you want to do is so true. I think the hard part, though, is sometimes we get in our own way and we feel scared. We like, do. this isn't my mm-hmm. expertise. So what do I know about writing? And people are going to say, well, you know, you're not a real author and that kind of thing. And once I got past that, then, you know, I feel like that was the biggest hurdle to get past. But I'll continue to practice law. 
but to the extent that, you know, writing takes me someplace else, um, writing is where, really where my heart is. Well, as my friend said on her Facebook, for the ones who said I, I couldn't, I can now. And and you didn't believe me with that song. Don't believe me, just watch. Hey, just watch, right? <laughs> right. You, you did it. You did it. And I know some self-doubters out there who said, oh, she's not going to be able to do that. She's not an author. Who she thinks she is? And now she's actually doing it. Yeah, and, and people kill me with that. They're so quick to doubt you instead of uplifting you. But, hey, that's what time of world we're living in. We, It probably wouldn't be a perfect world if we didn't have you doubters out there to help us along. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I think for me at least, most people were pretty supportive, but you do have people that question the way you do things, why you're doing things. But, you know, a lot of times you just have to learn by failure. You just got to get it wrong the first time, and then that way you'll figure it out. And for me, I figured if I get something wrong, then I'll learn from it. And when I write my second book, then I'll do that better, you know. Right, and that's how people become successful. That's why you have some people who are millionaires and billionaires. They made mistakes. That's what success is all about, making mistakes. It's not, oh, wake up and I'm going to get this quick money. No, it is about mm-hmm. actually making mistakes. And at first, to achieve anything, they always say to do it with greatness. No, we do it poorly first. <laughs> and that's how, that's how you achieve something. You have to do it poorly first in order to conquer it. But, um, Emily, if someone wants to purchase your book, where should they go to get it? So you can purchase Amelie and Ali on Amazon.com. Uh, it's really simple. You can either buy the ebook or you can buy the paperback version. The paperback is $12.99 on Amazon, and the ebook um, is $4.99, but I run a lot of specials and deals. So you should like my Facebook page, Emily Camille, two M's, two L's. Um, so that way you can know about the promotions and the sales because the ebook was down to a dollar ninety nine last month. Oh wow! See, I love ebooks, but I do. I love my paperbacks. It's just something about having that book in my hand and knowing that I I can read it. Well, right you know, there, it's funny that you say that. Mhm. Because when I initially published the ebook, I was expecting to get an incredible response. And a lot of people were actually basically saying to me, oh, I'm waiting on the paperback. I'm not going to buy the ebook." And the paperback is actually more difficult to do in self-publishing than the ebook because the ebook you just uploaded. The paperback, as I mentioned, all the formatting has to be correct. You have to make sure your cover art translates when it's printed. And when I went ahead and got that taken care of and made the paperback available, the response was incredible. You know, everybody wanted to curl up on the couch or read the book on the Metro or what have you. So, yeah, I think paperback right. is still a big thing. Right, it, it is. And if you're using the ebook on your phone, you just don't want all them data charges. That's what it is. <laughs> but <laughs> right. I, 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 I love having the book in my hand because I think it takes as much work just to create that format. And it's old school. That's what we came from. And I think that's what... I think a lot of this stuff going to go right back to where we come from. All the technology is fine and dandy, but there's nothing wrong with the old school. Yeah, absolutely. I love books. I love the way they smell. I love going into Ooh, a bookstore. Yes. So good. Yes, because I, I, I have a weird sensation, and my husband always sees me. He, 
he'll look at me and be like, are you smelling the paper? I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) It's just a a smell of it. You can tell it. It's fresh. When I opened up your book, I I smelled it. I was like, oh. Some books don't have that smell, but I was like, her book has that certain smell, and it might sound weird to people, but I do. I love the feel of it. Knowing that I have it, I can sneak back there on my phone. I can sneak back in the back of my job and read the book. Because foam is okay if I'm reading it, but it's like, ugh, now I got to put it up or it might turn off. But I can put my bookmark in here. Oh, I love it. And, Emily, I appreciate you again. And when your second book comes out, I want to welcome you back again when that hits. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You too, Emily, and I will make sure I stay in touch with you. You have a blessed one. Thank you. You do too. Thank you. You have heard it from Emily Camille. Make sure you check out her book. She's on Facebook at Emily Camille with two M's and two L's. Make sure you pick up her book. Emily and Ali is very romantic, and for the ones who have not been to Paris, such as myself, we're going to have to take that trip. But don't go anywhere because coming up at one thirty, we will have another lady on. Her name is Lane Kennedy, and we will be talking about communication and getting you women back out there into the market. So make sure you stay tuned. This show is ending, but it's more to come at one i I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 